This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Get ready for the Wednesday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for being here for us. We always appreciate it. We see the, the interest in the show rising across the country, and we're truly honored and thrilled as we get more and more clearances on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Joe Trippi, a Democratic operative that helped get Doug Jones into that Senate seat in Alabama, always successful, usually, uh, always makes a difference. Democratic strategist, author of the revolution, will not be televised, and he will tell us what he thinks of this DNC like no other, and it'll be an RNC like no other. One thing is pretty clear, the ratings are terrible. They don't take streaming into effect, but for the most part, they're down between 30 and 40%. There's no screaming crowds, there's not a lot of interest, there's very little drama, a series of speeches and mosaics. And now Joe Biden is the official nominee of the Democratic Party. So let's get to the big three. <clears throat> New research shows Americans still dramatically misunderstand coronavirus. The data finds Americans are overestimating the risk of death for people under the age of 25 and believe the risk for Americans 65 and older is half of what it actually is. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, that's a comprehensive study that's now out. Truth in COVID. Who's getting it? Who's spreading it? And the misconceptions people have about it as cases drop in the U.S. And inexplicably, get this, New York's governor, whose state has more than 23,000 deaths, more than anybody else, is writing a book about his success. Can you say tone deaf? Number two. Gun violence overnight. In total, eight people were shot in four separate incidents across Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan, all within a matter of hours. Too bad so many news reports, local news reports, start like that. That was CBS in New York. Not so hard to say goodbye. Major cities continue to see violence on the rise and are seeing major retirements amongst their police force. Combine that with the spineless Democratic mayors and push to defund the police departments. However, one Republican is trying to do something about it in Baltimore. But where are the rest? And when will the grassroots decide that they've had enough? Number one. You know what Donald Trump will do with four more years? Blame, bully, and belittle. And you know what Joe Biden will do? Build back better. That's a lot of bees. Uh, Bill Clinton, DNC, night two, featured more attacks on the president, not not unexpected. And just to know, just to know, Trump will fight back today, as of course, and more evidence emerges of a masking of a left wing agenda. Biden may be mounting on a may be mounted on a bucking bronco that he cannot stay on. So that's the thing to emerge to me. Number one, you're going to hear from Secretary of State, former Secretary of State John Kerry, mocking the president's foreign policy. Wow, that is rich. And then you're going to hear the Democrats trying to spackle over the fractured base. And they want Joe Biden to run on his record. Oh, he's a moderate. He has a lot of Republican friends. That's why we hear from Cindy McCain. That's why we hear from John Kasich. That's why we hear from Cohen Powell. Okay. But what's he running on? Free college, 
Who's he running with? Someone who wants to decriminalize border crossings and stop fracking? What's he running on? Spending. Investing in American business with tax dollars. That's not a free market. He wants to bring businesses back, but he wants to raise corporate tax rates. You have one have to suspend disbelief to believe that. So here's a look at some of the people that lined up to speak last night. You had Sally Yates speaking, AOC speaking on tape for just a minute. Uh, you also had John Kerry and Bill Clinton speaking, and Jill Biden did just fine as as uh, the second lady. She is a seemed like a fine person. I'm really against people being critical unless they're being critical of somebody else. Like Michelle Obama just mocked President Trump. I think she's open season. Jill Biden talked about her husband, which is fine in my book. I think that if Melania opens up and starts talking about Jill Biden, I think that might be over the line. All right. I don't see it happening, but I would like to hear from her once in a while. What seems so clear is that Democrats are either seeing internal polls or embarrassed by the socialist movement percolating underneath all Democratic causes and beliefs. And leading that charge, Miss Social Media herself, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. First, she wasn't allowed to speak. Then she was only allowed to speak on tape. But listen to what she's saying and just know the two names you don't hear, one first, one last, Joe Biden. Cut one. A movement that realizes the unsustainable brutality of an economy that rewards explosive inequalities of wealth for the few at the expense of long-term stability for the many and who organized a historic grassroots campaign to reclaim our democracy. In a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep systemic solutions to our crises of mass evictions, unemployment, and lack of health care, in el espíritu del pueblo, and out of a love for all people, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. To me, it's clear that they, didn't, they wanted her on tape because they didn't want her to go rogue. Number two, endorsing Bernie Sanders, a bit of a surprise, not mentioning Joe Biden along the way, a bit of a shock. But she's the same woman in January of this year who said, only in America would someone like me be in, this, be in the same party as Joe Biden. And he ends up the nominee. It looked highly unlikely then, but it's unlikely now. But what I thought was astounding, the tone deafness of Bill Clinton talking about the, the Oval Office being a command center. Really? Command what? Bill Clinton, who has pictures of him on Jeffrey Epstein's plane come out yesterday, getting a massage from an underage woman. He has 26 26 times he was logged in to Jeffrey Epstein's manifest. Going to, he says four times, they say 26. Let's just say 13. Can you just say one's too many? But yet he's speaking. And no members of the squad. I think the squad have no place... You know, their their beliefs have no place in a democracy and a capitalistic economy. But you can't deny their popularity and their impact. They denied him. John Kerry, a man I, I was sick of the day I saw him, longtime senator, one-time candidate, past secretary of state, thought he'd use his time and his unpopularity to rip Trump's foreign policy. Let's go back. Cut eight. For the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, we led by example. We eliminated the threat of an Iran with a nuclear weapon. We built a 68-nation coalition to destroy ISIS. 
We forged a 195-nation agreement to attack climate change. We stopped Ebola before it became a pandemic. Donald Trump inherited a growing economy and a more peaceful world. And like everything else he inherited, he bankrupted it. Okay. He goes on. Cut nine. Before Donald Trump, we used to talk about American exceptionalism. The only thing exceptional about the incoherent Trump foreign policy is that it has made our nation more isolated than ever before. Joe Biden knows we aren't exceptional because we bluster that we are. We are exceptional because we do exceptional things. And he goes on to say that when, John, when he goes overseas, it's a blooper reel. Really? This is a guy that was in France in a meeting, went, bike, went biking and broke his leg. Is that a blooper? This is a guy that when France gets bombed, the president, uh, President Obama ends up watching football, not going, the only world leader not to show up. And John Kerry shows up with James Taylor and they sing, you got a friend. Really? And you talk about bloopers with the president. You look at the Iranian deal. The only thing it did is galvanize most of the Middle East because the only people that like Iran, I guess, are John Kerry, Barack Obama, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, and Russia, and maybe China. So he brags about that deal, talks about a, uh, a blooper reel. When you talk about what the UAE did now coming into the very first time since 1994 recognizing Israel, when you talk about strengthening Israeli relations, when you talk about $400 more billion into NATO, more troops in Eastern Europe, when you talk about building a base over in Poland, when you talk about taking on China, when you talk about increasingly improving relations with Mexico and the growing and the potential, which you heard yesterday on this show from Robert O'Brien in Central America, it's hard to say, look back and say, oh, let's, I wish that we had those glory years when Russia was able to, and Iran and Cuba were able to take root in Venezuela. I wish so much we can go back to those days when President Obama was sitting with New Yorker magazine and called what we now know as ISIS the JV team. I wish we could go back in time to when China humiliated our president by not bringing the stairs to Air Force One when he had to leave out of the cargo section in his last visit to that belligerent nation. Those were the days. So these are fights the president should want. And what's missing, and there's a lot missing, and I'm not going to talk about how tough it is to do something without an audience. We do it every day on television. It's much easier when you have a live audience to get the response, especially if they're friendly. Republicans have the same challenge. But they are ju- they feel they won. I'm convinced Democrats feel they won already. They just don't want to drop the ball this week. That is it. And the president is out there traveling thousands of miles. He went to Iowa, went to Minnesota. Now, yesterday he went to Arizona. The vice president's going back to Wisconsin. So I think that you have a situation where I think somewhat responsibly the president is traveling, although I would make his audience wear masks and separate just to eliminate the critics and make it harder to get sick. Go ahead, make the next step, Mr. President, and his advanced team. Tell him to do it. Make it like a West Point graduation. You saw those chairs were separate, but when they clapped, they made noise. That's fine. Wear a mask. So we'll talk about that with Joe Trippi. We'll talk about the message they're trying to get out, and we'll talk about where they are vulnerable. The president's been closing the gap. If you look at the registered voter poll with, the, with CNN, he's one point behind of the battleground states, and he's four points behind of the national numbers. Others have more of a separation, but they are trending in his direction. 
What do you think about that? one 408 We'll talk about that and so much more when we come back on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Individual risk of COVID undoubtedly depends on age and your health. And what this tells us, this survey, is essentially they showed that based on political affiliation, a lot of people believed that it is more deadly to their age group than not. What we have to do, Ainsley, is get through the weeds and follow the facts. As you get older, your risk for severe illness of COVID-19 drastically increases. In fact, 80% of all COVID-19 deaths are those older than 65 years old. 92% of those deaths are of people over 55 years old. That being said, those people still have a lot of living to do. So we have to do everything we can to continue to protect those vulnerable. Right, but we got to know who to protect. And now this Templeton report comes out, and it talks about misperceptions. It's called the Franklin Templeton Gallup Research Study. And they say that most people have a totally inverse idea of how much danger you are in if you get it. There's always an anomaly, but we want to know about trains and likeliness. And that's why I don't understand why North Carolina and Notre Dame decide to shut down their on-campus learning for a whole semester because they had a few positive tests. Their people are young. You isolate them, you have a plan, and you let the other thousands go to school or else, even though they're great institutions and it's so hard, especially if you're out of state, to get in there, a lot of people are going to say, I'm better off in a community college. And then people realize we have to find a way to live with this, not run from it. John, listen, in Crescent City, uh, California. Hey, John. Hey, how are you doing today, Brian? Nice Good. to talk to you. What's on your mind? Well, I was talking to, I watch a lot of Fox News and, and other organizations as well, you know, try to get a good yeah. balance of what's going on in this great country of ours. And I was listening to one of the uh, Democratic uh, folks talking to Tucker Carlson as far as the correct pronunciation of Kamala or Kamala or whatever they want to call her. And, you know, to get names proper, I'm I'm all for that. 
But I think we're missing a point that I think her name should be Chameleon because she's going to be turning any color that the Democrats want her to be to try to be successful on this ticket with Joe Biden. And the question is, how much uh, is her agenda going to be his agenda? You know, we Americans and Democrats rejected her. She had a terrible campaign, terrible organization, and she did not know the issues. She said no more private insurance, and she flipped back on that. Then she said, I want to give illegals insurance, and she stayed with that. Remarkably unpopular position when it came to getting rid of fracking. You're not going to win over the country. You'll win over your family maybe by saying, I'm not going to frack. But you're going to say, go to hell, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, and Texas. Exactly. And, you know, and the folks, you know, I'm a working guy. I've been working since I've been 15. You know, I'm an older gentleman, you know, of 60. And, you know, I'm still out here working just because this is what I like to do. I like to be able to go out and, and work in the public. You know, I'm out here working, you know, during this crisis. I'm keeping my distance. I'm masking when I need to. And I'm out here working because I enjoy the work that I do. And I just wish more folks would be able to accept that, that, you know, it's okay to go out and do that. Absolutely. And, yeah, go work and, and earn a living. And, and you know, I was listening to Cardi B's interview with Joe Biden. And it's interesting because basically I think the New York Times talked about it was the most uh, raunchy album she has released ever. But she does represent a demographic. So the Joe Biden talks to her, not Chris Wallace, which has really got to bother him. I'll ask him tomorrow. But one of the things she said— uh, one of the things that uh, that he came out and said was, uh, I like to give free college. He goes, yeah, when I went to college, I would have to go commute after a day of work and go to school. And a lot of times I would be, uh, wouldn't be hungry, wouldn't be able to eat till I got home eight hours later. Now, that's sacrifice. But that's not unusual for people. When you have to have a job, if you get married or have a kid early or you just have a family that's on an economic stress, if you want a higher education, you go get it and you find a way. And there's – with that – you get this thing called financial aid, and you have access to loans if that's something you want to go. Or you start in junior college for two years, you get yourself high grades, and then you become very attractive to four-year schools, and you get yourself something affordable, and you get yourself some grants. That's part of the American process. That's why you appreciate success is because you tried so hard to get there. Steve, listen on WABC in Queens. Steve. Hi, Brian. Uh, good morning. I'm a very big fan of the show. Thank you. Um, I tried to call. I called you the other day, but we got cut off. But I have an idea with the voting, and I want your opinion. Why can't we vote through each state's Department of Motor Vehicle? We are already identified, and then those without licenses will get an absentee ballot. True. Although, if uh, Steve, you move tomorrow, you're not going to run out of motor vehicle and change your address. In fact, I remember Correct. I lived in California for four years. I never changed my address. Um, And I I end up moving back there. No idea. So my main thing that I worry about, number one, I just worry about people losing ballots. One, I remember I worry about people intentionally losing ballots. And number three, I I worry about uh, I worry about the ballots not getting to the right people because they moved. I could not believe that the average American moves every two years. So what makes you think that these are going to get to the right place? Because, Steve, you didn't ask for a ballot. If you ask for a ballot, they make you sign off on it, and they, te- they ask you where you live. Now in New okay. Jersey and Nevada, they flooded the system. But thanks so much for the call. They flooded the system, and I- I'm so glad the Trump administration is suing both states, saying, what are you doing? How can you change the system? Because Washington does it, and Oregon does it, I believe, if I'm wrong, correct me. They practiced it. They have systems. I know we're in a pandemic, 
But why do something so gross, grossly transformational in the middle of a pandemic that's already challenging? A lot of workers aren't going to show up. And you aren't equipped for it. And what they're saying, your local post office is saying we're not equipped for it. Not me. They are. And President Trump has been kind of awkward in defining what he wants. He's made himself become a target uh, for any problems with the post office. We come back. How's the DNC going through the eyes of the Democratic Party? Joe Trippi's going to be here, Democratic strategist and a good friend of the show. And then we'll take your calls again. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. In this job interview, the difference is stark. You know what Donald Trump will do with four more years? Blame, bully, and belittle. And you know what Joe Biden will do? build back better. It's Trump's us versus them America against Joe Biden's America, where we all live and work together. It's a clear choice. The future of our country is riding on it. Bill Clinton, fresh off, uh, Bill Clinton, fresh off the exposure of those Jeffrey Epstein pictures. Um, very surprised to see him with such a prominent role, considering he's been out of the fray for so long. Uh, and it's just uh, it's a different year. It's it's amazing how much tolerance people have for Bill Clinton and not everybody else. And I'm not just talking about on the left. Look at Jimmy Kimmel. Look at Jimmy Fallon. Look at Ellen. Look at people in high-profile positions. Yet he has all these things keep popping up, and they keep going back. Uh, Joe Trippi joins us now, Democratic strategist, author of The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, uh, and good friend of the show. Joe, welcome. Hey, Brian. Good to be with you. Hey, first off, it's a DNC like no other, grade 1 to 10, 10 being great, 1 being terrible. Uh, I'd give it a seven or eight. I think they're doing a pretty good job of, you know, I mean, what they're trying to do, I think, is basically just convey that Joe Biden is a decent civil guy and and Donald Trump isn't. I mean, it's it's just that stark contrast. Um, And I think they've done a pretty effective job. I mean, first of all, Trump does a good part of the uh, his part on his own. And then I think, uh, you know, the one thing about Joe Biden, regardless of any of the attacks on him, I think most Americans think he is decent and civil. Uh, and it's whether the country, uh, you know, wants, you know, whether that's enough um, to get some folks to cross the aisle to vote for Biden. Um, I think that's why you're also seeing, you know, Governor Kasich and uh, uh, Cindy McCain narration last night and uh, other things that have, you know, clearly been different about this convention. I mean, you see some of that in conventions a little bit, but it, it's gone a long way. And I think some of the people they've gotten to speak have been pretty, um, you know, uh, unpredictable. I, you wouldn't have predicted this many Republicans uh, uh, also speaking, along with Bill Clinton, your point, et cetera. But they, I think the most important thing is, the Republicans uh, or former Republicans that have been uh, that have been showcased as well. Right. See, none of them surprising. Uh, Kasich and McCain. Kasich uh, famously didn't show up for the Republican convention in his own state. Uh, Colin Powell hasn't voted for a Republican in a long time. Didn't even vote for John McCain. Uh, and then number three is uh, the bigger story, I think, is I believe that Democrats believe that they've won already. And the goal is just don't fumble. 
because there's nothing pushing the envelope. There's no. They're not trying to turn heads. They're just. I mean, you roll out John uh, John Kerry to talk foreign policy. Okay, you know, you have Bill Clinton uh, talk about behavior. Well, that's interesting. You have uh, other people just predictable. Donald Trump does this, does that. Um, I'm curious about how you feel the party is dealing with the difference in philosophy. Bernie Sanders spoke for 12 minutes. He talked about Joe Biden being the most progressive president in our history since FDR, maybe. And now you have AOC come out, who said in the past, only in America would I be in the same party as Joe Biden. And she went out of his way to endorse Bernie Sanders and never mentioned Joe Biden. Well, one, I mean, her her uh, role was to nominate Bernie Sanders. Uh, so you don't usually see those nomination speeches do anything other than uh, than showcase the person they're nominating. So I'm not, you know, that that that's one thing. But I think um, it, what's happening is you're seeing a big, you know, very big tent. I mean, going back to Colin Powell as an example. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, you know, Colin Powell, I, I ran Howard Dean's campaign against the war in Iraq in 2004 uh, when Colin Powell was leading the charge into that war that, that I opposed. To see him speaking at a Democratic convention and, and saying that now's the time to come together to cross party lines, find yeah. common ground. Well, I mean, she voted, he voted but, twice for Barack Obama and, and voted against John McCain, a Republican, and he came out against Rumsfeld, Bush, and Cheney. No, no, he's been there. Yeah, I agree with you. He's moved over uh, over time. I'm just saying, but that's how how far things have you know have come from you know, from like I said when he and I were on you know totally different different sides. Um, and I mean, I think what's going on here, and you know that know this just from I think um, the way you know I conduct myself. I try to be civil even while I'm disagreeing. You know, whether it's Karl Rove or whatever, I think that's what this convention has been trying to showcase that that there's a way for us to disagree without you know, just punching the living daylights out of each other. Mm. And and Trump represents the opposite of that. I'm not I'm not arguing partisanship here. I'm saying that there's this the the difference isn't the ideological fight, it's whether the country wants to be at each other or whether that we can conduct right. ourselves in a you know Now what's with, missing, Joe? what's missing? Uh, with what? What's I mean, missing so far in the convention that you really want in day three uh, that has been missing so far? Uh, I think one of the things that they that I think has to happen here is to get to what we're going to do about the economy. What is you know to to, to project that uh, the, the the way forward economically? Uh, uh, I, I'm sure that uh, or I, I I would hope that the convention addresses that. I think the first couple of nights obviously have been introducing Biden and, uh, you know, in terms of setting up his narrative of, uh, of who he is. Uh, and I think they've done a good job of that. I think there have been two things that the party needs to do out of this convention. One, energize its base. Uh, and two, appeal to some of those moderate Republicans out there and independents who might cross the aisle um, 
to but, vote for by hiding by hiding the socialist Bernie Sanders and the squad and keeping them at bay. The question is, are you buying what you think is a moderate? And are you getting a socialist? Because Bernie Sanders is convinced but, that this, place, yeah, that this that administration, if, they, if Biden is in, goes going way left. Here's yeah, your I, old I mean, sparring partner, that, uh, Carl Rove. Cut 20. I, you know, what was interesting last night was Joe Biden is not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a disaster, and Joe Biden is not Donald Trump. Tonight, I suspect we're going to see that repeated by saying Joe Biden is not Donald Trump when it comes to leadership. Donald Trump is a disaster. At some point, there's going to have to be more of what Joe Biden wants to do in the future. Maybe that's tomorrow night with Kamala Harris and the platform. Maybe it's Thursday night. It has to be Thursday night. But it'll be interesting to see when we stop from being the argument being just simply, I'm not Joe, I'm not Donald Trump. I'm Joe Biden instead and start being to flesh out what Joe Biden really is. Yeah. You, you agree with that. And the other thing missing yeah. is law and order. You have Portland, Seattle, Chicago and New York on fire. On fire, cops resigning left and right. You have a defunding the police, and Joe Biden one time says, I wouldn't defund the police, but almost everybody else does. And the 18 to 24 bracket firebombing, you know, uh, Lord and Taylor certainly want to do that. But there is no word that there are cities or major cities are on fire with Democratic mayors. Well, I don't think that, that – um, I don't think, you know, as he said, Biden said he's not for defunding the – One time he said that. Yeah, well, I, again, this is the whole thing. I think – first of all, I agree with Carl that this has got to turn to where where he's going to go from here. Uh, what is the, the – it's not just I'm not Trump, uh, which the convention has been for the, the last – although, by the way, I'm not Trump may be enough. So – it wasn't yeah, enough for Obama, and it wasn't enough yeah. to beat Bush. Yeah, I, well, like I said, we'll see. He, there, Trump is not Bush or, or Obama, but but I do think that part of this is trying to stick um, Biden as the socialist Trojan horse. I just don't think is going to work. I think the American pe- they, people have too much of a sense of Joe Biden. They like him. And that's the problem here. I don't think they're going to buy the, 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 the usual socialist Marxist, you know, buzzword, scare the living daylights out of people attacks. Maybe they will, and we'll see. I'm sure, by, I mean, I, we absolutely know Trump and his campaign is going to do that. I just don't think it'll work. I, I do believe there would have been potential nominees that would have worked against, um, but the party nominated Joe Biden, and I just don't. I just don't think that's where the American people are going to – they're not going to fall Someone should it. whisper that to the squad and Bernie Sanders and to all those people who are rioting because they wanted to fund the police. They're not Republicans, and they are, are calling for the socialist principles of free college, free health care, decriminalized border crossings. And if you listen to Kamala Harris and if you listen to Bernie Sanders, it's goodbye fracking. So tell me where the support – for the Joe Biden moderate agenda is. Where are those people? If Bernie Sanders wasn't first after Nevada, yeah, there would there be no of, Joe Biden because Joe Biden of, was the only thing left stopping Bernie Sanders from being the nominee. You agree with that, right? Yeah, 
I think and Joe Biden is the nominee, and Joe Biden is uh, definitely somebody who works across party lines and brings people together to get things done. That's what he's done his whole career. It's what how the Obama uh, White House used him to go to, and work across the aisle with yes, with John McCain and and others to get things things done. I think, by the way, and I that's something I think that is appealing right now. To a lot of women in the suburbs, both both Democrat and Republican, uh, it's why I think um, Biden has such a huge lead over Trump with women. Uh, again, both Republican and Democrat. Uh, Democrats. Do you agree uh, with this? The New York Times editorial writer wrote, "I cannot believe how much clo- how closer the platform is for Joe Biden to Bernie Sanders as it is to Barack Obama." That was the quote, and we played the soundbite, um, and I'll get it for later, but you can just read in the New York Times. I cannot believe how, how close the platform is to Bernie Sanders as to pros to Barack Obama. That's the moderate. That, well, again, I'm sure that we're going to have a debate about all this over the next 70 days or so. But, I look, party platforms, as we all know, um, are – you know, the nominee leaves the party, uh, the, the, the convention. Uh, Trump did the same thing. Every, every presidential candidate does. There are things in that platform um, that are just in the platform. They're a piece of paper, and they, nothing happens to but them. It shows a trend. I think it's significant that you have a, a nominee that is more to the left than Barack Obama. I think that is significant. I, I just don't think – there's no way. I mean, Biden was never to the left of, of Obama uh, when they were in the Senate. I mean, you know, I if mean, he isn't, over he doesn't career, get the nomination. He, he loses the Sanders wing. If, no, he doesn't, he, if he doesn't get the Sanders wing, he doesn't win. No, he didn't do that. So he's this lying to Sanders guy, then. He's, he's lying to Sanders. No, he didn't. He did not. Like you know, Medicare for all didn't happen. He didn't. Never said that. He's never been for it. Even when, yeah, the the Sanders wing of the party uh, wants it. Um, I'm just saying there are there are some big differences, and he's uh, more pragmatic and and has the ability to to you know politics and democracy is part of co- is compromising and finding middle and common ground. Uh, there are a lot of people in both parties doing my way or the highway, um, but that's not how we're going to get out of this, and it's not how we're going to get anything done. And Biden is just not a my way or the highway kind of guy. He's for you know well known to to people in the country as civil, decent, and is going to listen and find a, a middle way. And I just think that's going to appeal to a lot of people, particularly when you have Trump, who's, who is my way or the highway. And, you know, he never would have picked a Kamala Harris, not because of anything other than once she did that to, to Joe Biden in the debate and attacked him. There's no way. If she did that to Trump, he, what's he do with no, anybody who disagrees? No, you him? got so, it. I mean, him and yeah. Ted Cruz and uh, Marco Rubio. Uh, and Lindsey Graham are friends, and they Lindsey Graham Rubio's got a great portfolio in the South, and he's respected. And you, uh, Ted Cruz, always has an ear in the White House, played a major role in picking Supreme Court justices. Lindsey Graham is his constant golf partner, so that's just three people that he attacked that he became friendly with. So I don't know if that argument flies, but Joe, look forward to seeing what happens in the next seventy days and the next two nights. Thanks great so much. Great to be with you, Brian. Same Take here. Care. 
James, listen on WPTF in Raleigh, North Carolina. James. Hey, Brian. Th- hey, man. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Just want to give you a little insight um, about the colleges down here in, yep. uh, in North Carolina. Tell so um, there's a HBCU Central has um, also had a cluster of outbreaks. Um, Carolina has had one. There's uh, another college. But here's the thing that I want to say. Um, uh, uh, North Carolina and the other colleges got a lot of um, got a lot of flack because of the board of directors. You know, they said, let's go ahead and have the college. Let's go ahead and do it. And now that the outbreaks have come, you know, they're taking a lot of criticism. But as a country and as a nation, I, I think that we got to have to have that that wherewithal, that fortitude Thank to go you. on and press and press forward. And yeah, we're going to have to turn around and, and punt on some some things. But if no one takes any risk, we're not going to know what to do, but we can't have an over-exaggerated um, uh, political thing, because we're all in this thing together, Brian. And, James, absolutely. And so, yeah, you got yeah, 20 yeah. people. So They're all asymptomatic. Almost all are asymptomatic. You isolate them. You're going to tell me you had six months to come up with a plan. There's no isolation plan where maybe there might be a hotel deal in the area where you put these guys the way the Marlins do it, the way the Cardinals do it, you know, where the way right. these teams have been do- doing it. We have a roadmap Well, the football now. players and, are still going to play. Uh, yeah. But let the thousands go to school. Let the thousands go to school. Isolate the ones that don't. Easy to trace because you're staying on campus. Limit off-campus, I I guess, partying or visits or whatever it is, and find a way. Don't just say, how dare you tell someone to spend $70,000 for a school and they go and sit in their apartment on a laptop. Thank James, thank you. You and I agree on that. Back with more, more of your calls in just a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I am dumbfounded by this, Bill. How, how is it that Bill Clinton has not been canceled by the Democratic? How has he survived all of these waves of cancellation when he has been one of the biggest violators of these rules at all these years i mean we, we talked last night about the use of character we talked about we talked about the use of listen we talked about the use of character to try to say donald trump is a man of low character joe biden is. okay fine trump is fine if that's that's he's fair game on that it's totally fine so you're going to say that in one breath and then say character matters ladies and gentlemen bill clinton i mean does this make sense to anyone and not only that, Bill Clinton had that term that he used, the Oval Office should be a command center. For what? Get in the closet? Everyone knows he was a decent president when it came to policy. He did cooperate and was a moderate. I get it. Personal behavior, not great. And if you're going to go after Trump on personal behavior in his past or you don't like the way he acts in office, that's a little bit of an issue. Monty, listen in Williamsport, Maryland, W-A-R-K. Monty. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. With- uh Two interviews ago, we were interviewing someone about the um, Democratic Convention, and this fellow Joe was Trippy. trying to make trying to make a point about um, the uh, Biden party as the party of come together and yes. we can talk in peace, and and the Trump uh, party supposedly wants to bash everybody's face in. The Trump party isn't the party out there burning buildings and beating and shooting people Thank in the you. streets. Absolutely. Getting rid of cops and making sure the federal agents don't show up uh, and re- and planning Black Lives Matter instead of and preventing Blue Lives Matter while cops resign. It's unbelievable. But good luck with that. Hopefully the American people aren't so political. We'll get practical. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. I think. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Appreciate you listening. Thanks so much for being here. We're coming to you from New York City, heard around the world, and especially around the country as the country gets set to vote on November 3rd. Finally, we're at one of the conventions. Next week, RNC. This week, day two of the DNC. Like no other, basically no crowd. This hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Britt Hume and Governor Mike Huckabee's waiting in the wings. So I don't want to keep him waiting too long. Just know that the president is not resting. He's traveling like old times. He went over to Arizona yesterday, looked at 300 miles of wall, which is uh, awesome for the country. Forget about the president. Awesome for the country. We all used to want some type of division and organization at the border not too long ago. Next. Uh, the president was also in Wisconsin. The vice president goes there today. He was also in Iowa. They were devastated by a, a tornado. We're going to talk about that. And the president was also in Mankato uh, in Minnesota. So he definitely wants Minnesota. One poll has him trailing by just one. So let's get to the big three. New research shows Americans still dramatically misunderstand coronavirus. The data finds Americans are overestimating the risk of death for people under the age of 25 and believe the risk for Americans 65 and older is half of what it actually is. Truth about COVID, who's getting it, who's spreading it, and the misconceptions people have about who has it as cases drop in the U.S. And inexplicably, New York's governor, whose state has more than 23,000 deaths, deaths, leads all more than anybody else, is writing a book about his success. Can you say tone deaf? Number two. Gun violence overnight. In total, eight people were shot in four separate incidents across Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan, all within a matter of hours. Uh, That is a little bit about the many local reports about the crime run rampant in Portland, Seattle, uh, and here in New York and Chicago. Not so hard to say goodbye. Major cities continue to see violence on the rise and are seeing major retirements amongst their police forces. Combine that with the spineless Democratic mayors and push to defund the force itself. However, one Republican is trying to do something about it in Baltimore. But where are the rest? And when will the grassroots decide that they have had enough? Number one. You know what Donald Trump will do with four more years? Blame, bully, and belittle. And you know what Joe Biden will do? Build back better. That was uh, Bill Clinton, unbelievably, had a major role last night. DNC night two featured more attacks on the president. And just just to know, but you just know that Trump's going to fight back today. More evidence emerges on the making of a left-wing agenda that's way to the left of how they're being portrayed and portraying themselves. Biden may be mounted on a bucking bronco that he can't stay on top of. So let's bring in Governor Mike Huckabee, Fox News contributor, uh, former Arkansas governor. Uh, Governor, was it good to see Bill Clinton again? You know, it was almost hard to watch him because I didn't recognize his voice anymore. He sounded so tired and so old. Uh, 
it was it was also a little bit surreal that he's talking about bringing dignity to the Oval Office in light of the dignity that he failed to keep in the Oval Office during his presidency. But it was it was an interesting show. I thought Jill Biden comported herself very well last night, and she spent her time talking about her husband rather than uh, trashing Donald Trump. So that was refreshing. But overall, I think pe- people need to remember that Jill Biden is not on the ballot. Yep, Joe Biden is. And you get the impression that he's not really sure what's happening this week. He kind of does what he's told, but it's a little disturbing. Uh, I'm just concerned, really, that the Democrats are offering nothing. I mean, Joe Biden's been in politics, Brian, for 50 years, 50 years. And he can't specifically name what he has accomplished in those years, nor can any of his supporters. So what you really have are people who are far to the left of most any American, the AOCs, the Bernie Sanders, the squad group. They're running this thing. And if Joe Biden gets elected, they're going to be running the policy. It won't be Joe Biden. You know, what's so interesting is is that if you're the Democratic Party, why aren't you embracing where the Democratic next generation of leaders are bringing you? And they're afraid of it. And if they weren't afraid of it, they wouldn't have rushed Joe Biden up to win in South Carolina to stop Bernie Sanders. If they weren't afraid of it, they wouldn't have held AOC to 60 seconds and made her go on tape. So what what do they know from their internals, Governor Huckabee, that even we're not aware of? They have to be looking at the fact that America is not in any rush to go socialist. America doesn't believe in open borders. They don't want to see their taxes raised. They don't believe mobs ought to be running our cities, that we ought to defund the police. They deep down believe that there ought to be a pushback against China instead of a capitulation to China. And they don't appreciate that uh, Democrats have stalled everything the president has tried to do, including things that the Democrats say that they wanted, like DACA. Uh, President Trump laid it on the table. They walked away. He gave them more than they were asking for. They walked away. They don't want to address that. They just want to spend their time saying Trump is bad. And the media, of course, is their partner in that message. And that's what makes it tough. If this was an honest assessment of the record of Donald Trump and the record of Joe uh, Biden and their plans, their policies, this would be an absolute blowout. So the president going down to the border – uh, and talking about the 300 miles and having the governor down there meet him and doing the, the places I just described he visited over in Wisconsin, Iowa, and, and then the vice president's going back to Wisconsin today. What I was hoping the president would do is, and you know this better than anybody else, if you could stop an easy attack, if you, can, if you want to leave your solar plexus open, don't be surprised when someone goes to punch there. And when the president does these mini appearances and allows people to get close and not wear a mask, make it their own choice. That just allows people to say, wait, wait a second. Is he being irresponsible when it comes to the bigger picture on the virus? Do you think that his advanced team should spread these people out a little, make it more look like a West Point graduation than an old-fashioned 2016 rally? Yeah, I actually do. I think you're 100% right, Brian, to point that out. And it doesn't diminish in any way his leadership or that he's afraid or it does none of that it simply says the reason the economy is struggling is because we're in the middle of a coronavirus and so many businesses and states have closed and shut down some aren't coming back so let's do everything we can to get back on track as quickly as possible and if standing a few feet from each other and wearing a mask 
accelerates that, then that's a small price to pay. If it doesn't do any good, let's look at it this way. It sure won't do any harm. So that's a message I think the president could use. And it it just takes away Mm -hmm. uh, the ability of the Democrats to say that he's reckless and careless. I don't think he is, but that's what they try to say. Yeah, I mean, the president underlined the word freedom and governors and mayors and being in control. And they call him him an authoritarian. And that makes one flies in the face of the other. So I want to bring you to someplace else because you're a, a governor, a politician, a dad. You have multi hats and as well as a host. I'm watching what's happening in these cities, and we always learned the the phrase, it bleeds, it leads. If it's the best video, you go with it. The Democrats are not going with the best video because it outlines tragedy and failure in America's cities. Portland, Seattle, Chicago, New York, they're being run away with with shootings and protests that have turned into riots. In Chicago, homicides are up 53%. In Philadelphia, up 31%. In New York City, up 30%. And you saw what happened in Portland the other day. They're looking for this Marquise Love who went ahead and hit an innocent driver of a pickup truck uh, because he tried to protect a transgender person who was being uh, being beat up by these rioters. And I don't see it in any of the text, any of the speeches, none of the words over the course of two days at the DNC. Why? Because the Democrats are afraid to call out these far-left radical groups who riot and loot because they feel like that that's their base now, which is absurd. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of these people even are registered to vote. But the point being is that deep down the Democrats run every one of the cities that are in real trouble. Every one of the cities that are on fire with violence has been run by Democrats not for the past four years, but for the most part, for the past 40 or 50 years, uh, untouched by Republican hands. And so it's very difficult for them to say, hey, elect us to run the country, and we'll make the country look like Chicago, Portland, Seattle, New York. Nobody wants to say that. But I think the Republicans next week need to say that we don't believe that you allow people to tear down privately owned businesses and homes and threaten people and beat the snot out of people on the streets for no reason right. whatsoever and let that go unchallenged, unchecked. And uh, the most severe thing is to let it go without consequence. And that's what's happening in so many of these cities. So you were governor of Arkansas. If you don't get, if you don't get the African-American vote, you don't win. So no one has to tell you to diversify your message. But you know, especially when you run for president, the, that was your message for everybody. But for the Republican Party, they have made no, not much of a concerted effort to get the black vote. And I give so much credit to this candidate in Baltimore, Kim Classic. You yeah. can't see it, but watch it online. She went to Baltimore and she walked the streets of the most, the most devastated city you could imagine, boarded up, crime and pestilence everywhere. Listen to a little of this. Cut twenty six. Do you care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times. Not only, not only is she running, she wants to win. And she's going into the heart of the problem. 
And I don't see enough Republicans trying to become the mayor of Portland, Seattle, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. Well, you're right. By the way, Kim Klasik is going to be on my uh, TBN television show this weekend. And let me tell you where I hope she shows up. I hope the RNC has the good sense to ask her to speak next week because nobody is any more articulate in explaining why uh, black voters ought to be voting for President Trump than Kim Klasik. I mean, she is laying it out there in a way that is just so powerful. And she's very articulate. She She's just got this amazing ad that's gone viral. And I think she's a voice to be listened to. Listen, you don't go into Baltimore and try to help it to be famous. You, do, you go yeah. in there because you want to help. And if you feel like you have better ideas, people, well, no Republican can ever win. I, I mean, I just think that's the wrong attitude. you got to give people uh, a, a choice. Find out what the problem is. See you have better answers because so far, guess what? Elijah Cummings, I know he passed away and he seemed like a good guy. He was not delivering for Baltimore. And she wants to. Where's the person that wants to deliver for Portland, Seattle, and Chicago? And I know it's impossible and politicians laugh and they go, you don't understand. That's fine. But what about the people? They don't care about who's run things. They know it's nothing's getting better. When they get desperate, they finally say, let's give the other guy a chance. It's one of the reasons Donald Trump got elected last time, because he he laid it out there and said it pretty bluntly. He said, what have you got to lose? You've been supporting these Democrats for decades. And and what has it done for you? You have the highest unemployment. uh, Your jobs are being shipped to China. And everything he said was true. And I hope that they're continuing to remember that under Donald Trump, prior to the COVID, They had the most significant employment numbers ever in the history of the African-American, the Hispanic, as well as in women's uh, vote and women's jobs, the best ever. But I remember back in 1993 when Rudy Giuliani won mayor of New York, and it was because after years of just frustration, New Yorkers said, what have we got to lose? Let's give this Republican a chance. And he cleaned up the city. Then people started forgetting how good it had become, and they went back and let de Blabio get in, and now it's turned into a toilet once more. So I'm hoping that as people start seeing this, they realize that it's not about party. It is about policy, and policy makes a difference in how things are governed and how things are run. And you know locally, Governor, you know locally you you really don't bring up Republican and Democrat much. You're just out there grinding. And this de Blasio is so hideous. I hope New York, and we're on in WABC and WRCN now, so I hope New York realizes you have to do better. You have to go find someone that's not going to give their their wife a billion dollars and she loses it and a budget of two million for a 14 person staff and she doesn't do anything with it. She has a speechwriter that's getting one hundred seventeen thousand dollars, a chief of staff that's getting two hundred thirty thousand dollars while he's got to cut twenty two thousand jobs in Manhattan and wants a handout from the federal government. It's comical and tragic. Final thought. Well, I think the final thought is this. There are. A great, there, there's a great opportunity for the president to focus not on the horizontal, left, right, but on the vertical, up and down. Don't run about Republicans versus Democrat, left versus right, Democrat. That, that's not what people care about. What they want to know, are you going to take us up? Are you going to take us down? The president's got a great message. He needs to go vertical, not horizontal. Tell America why his policies will take them up and not down and why the Democrat policies will accelerate uh, 
a downward spiral. Thanks, Governor. Always great to talk to you. Governor Mike Huckabee. Appreciate it. one 408 7669 I see you out there. We'll take some calls and then get the analysis of the best in the bit, one of the best in the business, Britt Hume. Don't move. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. One little piece of procedural business they had to do last night caused a little confusion for folks. Runner-up Bernie Sanders was also placed in the nomination. They asked New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to formally place him in the nomination. Uh, She was a good team player and did so, uh, but there was a little confusion about that. It's just a formality. Good team player. She loves Bernie Sanders. That's his. That's her mentor, an ideologue. And she did not mention Joe Biden. She tweeted out later, of course, I support Joe Biden. Jerry, listen on WVMT in Burlington, Vermont. Jerry. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. No listen, I hear a lot about the American people this and American people that. Well, I believe it's the American voter, and not all American voters are the American people. And I'm wondering whether or not we can get these uh, – these candidates to get nailed down on the top 10 issues facing our country rather than get uh, the political analyst interpretation of a double speak in the commercials. I mean, the top 10 issues, you got to understand, I mean, there there's law enforcement, second amendment, taxes, abortion, the border, coronavirus, fossil fuels, infrastructure. We all know what they are, but why can't the candidates put these top 10 issues in writing so that the American voter can actually look at these things and then make a discernible decision on what exactly they stand for and then have a debate on those particular issues rather than rely on all this political analysis on what they're actually saying. I know what you're saying, but they do that in a party platform. That's what the answer would be. And then people tell you, well, don't go by the party platform. Uh, you know, it's a, I, I get, I'm real worried. People talk about Joe Biden. Well, if he gets elected, you know who he is. Not really. Uh, he's already changed substantially. The platform's already changed substantially. The, the party has changed substantially. And all these socialists around him seem to be very confident they can manipulate him or already have a deal in place to do it. He's already committed to pay for college. Where are we getting the money to pay for everybody's college? I don't understand that. Soon he's going to pay for everybody's uh, uh, pre-K, and then he's going to turn around and he's going to the taxes going to get jacked up, and and everyone's going to be vilifying the rich, and the rich are going to go hit the road. Hey, when we come back. Britt Hume's going to offer his instant analysis of day two and look at day three of the DNC and what it means for the RNC. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for being here. Don't move. Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Vice President Biden may be the nominee of the party, but Bernie Sanders is the head of the party. That's clear. And uh, really, what what Senator Sanders has done is pretty breathtaking. I mean, he and he and and uh, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez 
have almost physically lifted this party up and moved it to the left, um, I, I hardly uh, I hardly recognize it. Uh, that is Senator Kennedy. And listen, I, I try to get at the rhetoric. Everybody knows if I get Mercedes slap on or if I get a Biden spokesperson on, you know exactly what they're going to do. Everything's great for Biden. Everything's great for Trump. I understand that. I try to bring in people that are looking, uh, a- analyzing their opponent. And they're analyzing their opponent. Senator Kennedy likes to lay it on the line. He said, listen, th- there's two people who are extremely articulate and believe everything they're saying. And I think it's scary for the country, personally. I don't know how you feel. I think I do. And it is Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and and Bernie Sanders. Now, Sanders is front and center because last time when he wasn't, he uh, Hillary Clinton lost his supporters. They were very angry. They felt sidelined. They felt ignored. Sanders and Hillary Clinton never got along. They still don't get along. She's still bitter towards him, and I'm sure it's vice versa. He's never accomplished anything. All he has is policies that he believes worked in the Soviet Union and Cuba. But he wants Medicare for all. He wants to stop fracking. He wants to go everything green. He wants to kill cows, everything like that. Uh, hates our foreign policy, does not like Israel, and that's fine. He believes that he's going with Joe Biden's going to get elected and he's going to push him that direction, and the balance of the party will push him that direction. And by the way, in the break after this, I'm going to do go on Instagram and give you a behind the scenes. So uh, get ready. Uh, I'll be doing that. So if you have an alert on my name, I'll be able to do that. Uh, waiting for Britt Hume to get online. Uh, so let's go out to Eric. Listen on WRAD in Virginia. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. Uh, great to talk with you, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, just have a uh, couple couple points that I want to make. Um, you know, I've heard different callers, you know, mention you know about going to DMVs and voting, but here in Virginia, all of the DMVs still have not opened yet. Uh, and the ones that have opened. Eric, um, I don't like that idea. Lot. Let's move on and talk about what is happening in Virginia. Their special election was a train wreck. And, oh, yeah. and, and you have a governor will do, which will do anything uh, to keep Virginia left in blue, correct? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That is correct. And um, uh, the, the second point that I want to make, um, you know, th- this deal, you know, when it comes out to mass mailings of ballots, um, where are the checks and balances? None. Um, who... Who is going to be, you know, you know, ensuring that, you know, people are not going to go vote twice, three times, you know, go to polling places, you know, steal ballots, forge signatures. Or a ballot um, ends up where you used to live and someone fills it out and mails it in. Uh, you go to show yeah. up and they say that, you know, we don't have your day, you know, we uh, you vote twice. If some states can handle it, they are used to it and some can't. Uh, thanks, Eric. Let's go out to Brit Hume. Brit. Always enjoy your analysis. Always love catching up with you. How are you? I'm well, Brian. How are you? Good. Senator Kennedy it was the bump-in soundbite I want you to comment on. And just to uh, fra- paraphrase what he said, he said he believes that AOC and Bernie Sanders have picked up the party and moved it left. We just haven't seen it yet. They won't reveal it yet. Do you get that sense? There's an undercurrent of don't, it, don't, don't believe what you see. Well, yeah, look, I mean, there is there is that to some extent. Um, at the same time, though, Joe Biden himself has said that if he's elected, he'll be the most um, progressive uh, president the party's ever nominated. So, you know, they're, they're disguising this to some extent, but there's no doubt 
that the party has moved left, animated in some measure by the AOC wing of the party, and that that uh, you know that worries some Democratic strategists who fear that 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 message and those that list of priorities won't sell with the American public. Uh, but Biden has got to be careful in this convention and in this election season not to position himself as too much of a centrist, because that will potentially turn off younger voters, uh, voters more to the left, which compose a huge part of the party right now. And the fear is that they will lack enthusiasm and not turn out. They're not that enthusiastic about him to begin with. Interesting. And uh, you made it clear you don't think it's the same guy that you've covered for years. Well, he's deep. I'm sure he is the same guy. But I think that he's I think he's um, moved left on a bunch of issues. Um, you know, the, the Joe Biden I've known all these years is a very nice guy on a personal basis. He, you couldn't meet a more friendly guy. I think his natural instinct is to like people. His natural instinct is to help people. Now, I've often said of him that if I asked him for the shirt on his back because I was in a bad way, he might start taking his shirt off to give it to me. On the other hand, um, you know, he's he's always been um, a little slow on the issues. Uh, Bob Gates famously said, and I think correctly so, that he was wrong about every major foreign policy issue of his time. But he's a deal maker and a guy that the members of the other party could do business with, a man of goodwill, not the brightest guy that ever lived, um, and an unbelievable windbag in some respects. I once said that to him to his, uh, uh, when he was talking with me about whether to give me an interview for a piece I wrote about him many years ago. And he said, you don't cover me. He said, you never cover me. I was working for ABC News covering Capitol Hill at the time, and I rarely used the Biden soundbite, usually because somebody else would say whatever needed to be said, shorter and better. And he said, why is that? And I said, before I could stop myself, I said, Senator, I think you're a windbag. <laughs> and, 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 and it's, it's, test, it's the type of guy Biden is, is this. His response to that was to laugh and to say that I was not the only one who thought that. So that's the kind of guy he is, nice guy, not hard-edged, uh, somebody you can make a deal with. Although um, he, he does seem to have that quick temper these days. But when you people are trying – what gets me, uh, Britt, and you've seen much more than I have, is that they're portraying Biden as this guy who's a deal-maker, as you just described him. We went over it, and we know his background. But the party's not there. And one of the people that bring that up is, is the editor at the New York Times editorial board, the editorial board uh, member. Her name is – Mara Gay. She compared platforms. Listen to this. I think what's funny is that actually Biden's platform is far more liberal than Barack Obama's was years ago. And so when we looked at that as an editorial board, we were kind of blown away at how much more similar it is to Bernie Sanders' platform in some ways than Barack Obama. So it's not just... It's not just you or I have picked up that they seem to be moving left or Senator Kennedy. It's the New York Times. Well, there's no doubt about the fact that the platform is is the most liberal platform the Democrats have ever adopted. And there's no doubt in my mind that that Joe Biden felt compelled uh, to adopt such a platform because he needed that wing of the party to be with him. Uh, It's not necessarily what his instincts are. Um, You know, he's been a conventional liberal politician. Democratic liberal politician for all these years, and and 
now, if you judge by the platform and some of the things he's been saying lately and the positions he's adopted, um, he's now a, a much more lib- a much more of a leftist. Whether he will govern that way is another matter, but he will be under enormous pressure to do so, just as he is now, uh, to get his party behind him. Uh, Britt, do you think the president has a reason to worry about mail-in voting? Yeah, mail-in voting obviously uh, is something that's feasible, but it isn't easy, and it isn't the post office that's the issue here. The issue is the state and local election authorities, um, many of whom have never done a lot of mail-in, uh, handled a lot of mail-in ballots before. You know, there's always been a certain number of absentee ballots, which are well, you know, that's a well-established procedure that lots of people have followed for a long time, uh, and it's not that hard to handle. But when you're talking about mass mail-in voting, uh, given the problems they've had in New York State, for example, uh, it's a real challenge. And it is subject to fraud. Um, and, you know, somebody has said, well, you know, there's no real record of fraud with mail-in balloting, but that's no reason to engage in it without experience in a wholesale way uh, with all the potential problems that are, you know, merely technical problems, plus the opportunity for cheating that that may afford. Uh, Bridge, so we're two days in. We've got two days left. It's a DNC like no other. What kind of bounce do you expect Biden to get out of this, if any? I think he'll get some bounce out of that. I mean, I was just watching last night, you know, the speeches that was made. I thought the speech that his wife made was very affecting. Um, And and what was striking about that speech was um, it never really mentioned Donald Trump. You know, it wasn't the partisan attack. It was the, my husband is a good guy and a nice guy and a guy who's risen from from the grief and pain of tragedies he's had in his life to, to keep going forward. And it was, it, you know, people, it, it was a speech that, you know, people could listen to and say, you know, I like this guy and I like her. Uh, and, you know, you, 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 politicians get get a lift out of out of such moments it'll obviously a lot will depend on his own speech uh and how he presents himself but i think you know a lot of people will watch that speech a lot of people watch that speech that that haven't been watching the rest of the convention so my guess is he'll get a lift out of it uh not perhaps one like the one you get when you got the huge cheering crowd and the balloons and the confetti and and all of the all that goes with that which is fun to watch uh and then the music is playing and you know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know even a even a hardened old journalist like me can get caught up in such moments so you get a lift out of that may not last but you'll get a lift out of it i sense the president's going to find a way to get a crowd and maybe the west point graduation is a way they got spacing they got people uh they wear masks uh, I sense that the president's seeing how stale this looks and the speech is good or bad. Uh, there, there's not that same momentum. Ratings are down about 20 percent, if not more, not counting the streaming. But do you think the Republicans are going to come up with something? Well, I think they'll try. But I think, you know, that the, 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 the logistical difficulties are pretty serious. Um, so he can have a grand display. But, you know, he's more Trump is more dependent on that crowd feedback and being in the presence of an adoring, uh, you know, group of supporters uh, to get his own stride and his own momentum as a speaker. Uh, you know, I'm just not sure that in a, in a more distant atmosphere it'll be the same. But yeah, I'm sure he'll get a lift out of his convention as well. You know, what he needs, uh, Brian, in my view, is to settle on a set of issues and positions that, you know, it's clear will appeal to the electorate 
uh, and get on those issues and stay on those issues and pound them away in much the way that he did in the closing weeks of the 2016 campaign. When, when the tweeting that he was doing on all kinds of different stuff basically stopped, he was on message. He went to the, to the right states uh, and appealed to the voters and ran a very disciplined campaign in those closing weeks and won the election. So far, he hadn't done that, but you know, he's still got time. True. I think that he's settling on law and order, I'll tell you that. He is proud of his, what's happened on the border. He has a reason to do that. And there's many, the conventional wisdom is it's all about the coronavirus. Do you, do you yeah, subscribe? Yeah, that's a problem for him because, you know, politicians tend to be judged on results. And, you know, looking at the results on coronavirus as the way I think most people look at them um, doesn't help him. Uh, there was a there was a study out that was done by the Templeton Financial Group and Gallup um, about what people think about you know who gets coronavirus and what the percentage of the population is that have it and so on. It's shocking how how uh, the inf- misinformation people are carrying around with them about this. Most of which makes it seem worse than uh, it. than it is. In fact, I'll share it with the audience. Uh, Seniors and COVID-19 deaths. Here's the difference. Americans believe that people age 55 account for just over half of the COVID-19 deaths. The reality is it's 92%. Americans believe that people age 44 and younger account for 30% of the deaths. It's actually 2.7%. So the panic people feel when young people get it is not warranted. And for those susceptible, they know it. And we're capable of acting. And the Swedish model might, in, in the long run, have been the better model of get those with underlying conditions and those seniors, protect them, and let everyone else work and go to school. And from a, and from a political point of view, those misperceptions which uh, the study found do not help Mr. Trump um, because it, people are more frightened of this and, and more ignorant about it than we knew. And I think we have we have to thank our media brethren uh, for the for the misperceptions. He is uh, Britt Hume. Britt, thanks so much. Always appreciate your coverage. And your tweeting is cutting edge. Do you, do you, do, are you enjoying this or what? Well, it's just a way to uh, it's just a way to keep abreast of things. I, I use Twitter mainly as kind of an early warning system about news, and I find on Twitter a great you know, links to lots of different stuff that I might not otherwise see. So, I really use Twitter as a way to keep informed. Uh, I try to stay out of petty squabbles uh, on Twitter, but but uh, but I, I find it useful. I, I find uh, following you useful. So there you go, Brett Hume. Thanks, thanks so Brian. much. God bless you, buddy. You got it. Thank you, sir. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Right now, I'm going to go behind the scenes. I'm going to do an Instagram behind the scenes and come back and take your calls. Uh, we'll go over to, we'll begin in Houston, then go to Kingman, Arizona, then over to Westchester, New York, and we'll see where we go from there. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Let's get going. Let's defeat Trump. Let's elect Biden. Let's elect some great candidates around the country. And the day after Biden is elected, let us mobilize our people to create the kind of government 
and America that we know we can become. So our job in the next 80 or so days is to do everything that we can to defeat Trump, Trump and elect Joe Biden. Do we have differences with Joe Biden? Believe you me, of course we do. And our job is the day after Biden is elected is to mobilize our people in the fight for a progressive agenda. Yeah, good luck. Mobilize your people and then make his life miserable or you already got a deal behind the scenes to not create unrest leading up to the actual voting. Tanny, listen on on KSEV in Magnolia, Texas. Tanny. Hi, Brian. I'm I'm telling you there's no way that Biden can win. If he can't even do a live debate with President Trump, how on God's earth? Well, he will. United States. Well, let's see. I mean, let's see how he does. Right now, the bar is so low, and Trump made this decision. I don't think it's a smart one to diminish Biden and say he doesn't know what's going on. I would do the opposite. I would do what George Foreman does. My opponent's so tough, especially his second half of his career. My opponent's so tough. I don't know how I'm going to beat him. I'm old. And then when you go out and beat him, you look even better. But uh, September 9th, first debate, the world will be watching. Jim, WABC in Westchester, New York. Hey, Jim. Brian, uh, my thought is about that. My thought is about uh, mail-in voting. Now, I was basically a little nervous about this, but I've spoken to some folks out in Utah, and they're really proud of this. And these are pretty conservative folks. They say it works very, very well out there. And I was wondering, well, why can't the different states, for example, let's say study, you know, contact the Utah uh, Board of Elections and say, well, how do you folks run it? And in other words, go to school on their experience. And that's why I'm really in favor of. Yeah, but uh, we only have a few months to get it going, Jim. They've been working on it. Same with Washington. They've been doing it. Oregon, they've been doing it. And now when is the cutoff? I don't want to have to wait past November 3rd unless it's too close to call for ballots to come in. It'll probably be too close to call anyway. But the thing is that uh, so long as people get their votes in, like I say, I'm even contacting up here in Westchester County, the county executive, saying, hey, maybe somebody call somebody in Salt Lake City or in Oregon. There must be a way to put together like a national study group where every state can learn from Utah's mistakes and successes. In three months? No way, Jim. Thank you, though. We're not going to get it down in three months. You saw what happened with Carol McCarthy. You saw what happened in Harrison, New Jersey. You saw what happened in Virginia. Disaster, disaster, disaster. Can you imagine on a national level? Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Appreciate you listening. Thanks so much for being there. Congressman Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader of the House, waiting on deck. Uh, Chris Steyerworth at the bottom of the the hour. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls, 1-866-408. 7669. Tonight at the DNC, we're going to see President Obama, I believe, former President Obama, and we're going to see Kamala Harris. So uh, you ensure that President Obama always gives a good speech, and Kamala Harris is, I'm sure, got plenty of time to rehearse it. So we'll see how it goes, but there will not be the crowd support. I wonder if Republicans are learning from this and why they can't have something outdoors, socially distant, to get some type of real unscripted moments. Uh, taking place. But it's tough. And the ratings are down. Not many people are watching compared to past years. I think it's up about 30%. So let's get to the big three.
new research shows Americans still dramatically misunderstand coronavirus. The data finds Americans are overestimating the risk of death for people under the age of 25 and believe the risk for Americans 65 and older is half of what it actually is. Big difference. Truth about COVID, we, who is getting it? who's spreading it, and the misconceptions about it as cases drop in the U.S. And inexplicably, New York's Governor Cuomo, whose state has more deaths than anyone else, where we are broadcasting from right now, is writing a book about his success. The last thing Americans want to do is read a book about a pandemic we're in the middle of by a guy that let it get here and said we were prepared for it and over-requested for it, and we still don't have enough ventilators that he had originally requested. Number two. Gun violence overnight. In total, eight people were shot in four separate incidents across Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan, all within a matter of hours. With, with reports like that, it's not so hard to say goodbye. Major cities continue to see violence on the rise and are seeing major retirements amongst their police force. Combine that with the spineless Democratic mayors and a push to defund. However, one Republican is trying to do something about it in Baltimore. But where are the rest? And when will the grassroots decide that they've had enough? Number one. You know what Donald Trump will do with four more years? Blame, bully, and belittle. And you know what Joe Biden will do? Build back better. Guess so. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, barely getting that speech out. Wonder why he got slated there, being that pictures are coming out of him on Jeffrey Epstein's plane last night getting a massage from a young girl. Go figure. DNC night. Two featured more attacks, uh, more attacks on the president. You know, uh, Trump will be fighting back today as more evidence emerges of a masking of a left wing agenda. Biden may be mounted on a bucking bronco that he cannot stay on top of. And with that, let's bring in Congressman Kevin McCarthy. Congressman, so far we're two days in. What do you what's your takeaway? You know, I've watched this. The takeaway is they have no message for America. So what they continue to do is rely on misinformation and mailbox myths because think for a moment. You had Michelle Obama complaining about President Trump on something her husband did. You've got Bill Clinton talking about what the future holds. This is Joe Biden who's been in D.C. more than 40 years. Why do we think it will be any different? And then you watch the internal battle. You watch AOC get up and second the nomination of Bernie Sanders. You watch Bernie Sanders talk about Biden going to be the most progressive and socialist and liberal. Um, you know, they're trying to instill those San Francisco values on the rest of the country. And if you go to San Francisco, let me tell you, sky high taxes, you've got a sanctuary city and you've got sidewalks that nobody wants to walk upon. That is what we do not need for America. We need someone who wants to renew it, restore our way of life, and rebuild the economy bigger than ever. Well, I'll tell you what, I hear the same thing about big story in the Daily Mail over the weekend, that everyone's leaving Los Angeles, that Venice Beach is overrun, oh, yeah. Gold's Gym has gone dormant, homeless have taken over Santa Monica, uh, and of course, Malibu has security to keep everybody out uh, so they can live their lives with Leo DiCaprio. But I resent that. You ruin your city, and then you leave it. Yeah. Well, think about it. Every one of these cities from Portland to Chicago to New York to San Francisco, California, they have, there's one common denominator. It's Democrat controlled. You know, there is a big city in California where we do not have homeless growing like the rest, and that's San Diego. You know what happened there? A Republican actually manages that city. But here we are in California. They lock you inside. 
We've got a heat wave going on, and because they put a mandate of renewable energy, they're now having rolling blackouts that they can't provide you the electricity you need with the temperature over 100 degrees because the sun goes down and the solar can't provide it. Incredible. And you're, of course, a congressman from California. Uh, you talked about Republicans uh, running. Uh, this Kim Classic, if you're talking about bringing somebody who could be an emerging star to the RNC, she seems to be one. She is doing something Republicans don't normally do, going into an inner city that has not elected a Republican 53 years, 53 years, and she's walking the streets of Baltimore. And you see what she what we're in the middle of in Baltimore. You don't you know, you see Baltimore Harbor. You don't realize how bad the city is. And she wants to fill Elijah Cummings seat. Listen to a little of her ad that's gone viral. Cut 26. Do you care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. And she goes on, and that's why people are watching it and seeing Baltimore for the first time. It doesn't make a lot of documentaries. So, Congressman, is there talk amongst Republicans and you're amongst leadership about how to make a a run at these inner cities? When you see Todd Wheeler uh, taking it apart in Portland, Seattle, unable to stand up to the message of trying to recall her. You see the problems in Philadelphia. New York is run by the worst mayor in my lifetime. And then you see what with the the despair in Baltimore. Is there a urban mission? There is an urban mission, but there's a mission for the entire country. And if you watch just like her and across this nation, this party is expanding like we've never before. Do you realize we have more women running as Republicans than at any given time? And not by a few. Our record before was 143. We're over 200 in the process. We have more minorities, more veterans, because people are willing to stand up for this country. People who have served this nation to defend it are now believing the internal country they have to have that battle with as well, because they're watching the crumbling schools. They're watching no new ideas. And think what they're getting from the Democrats. The first thing they want to do is defund the police and the border patrol. So they're watching their inner cities collapse further. They want to dismantle this nation. This is coming from Congresswoman Omar, who was born in Somalia. She was living in a refugee camp. And what does America do like she always does? She opens her arms to bring her into this country, and she becomes a member of Congress. Less than 11,000 people have ever had that honor. And instead of saying, let's duplicate this nation, she, she wants to dismantle it. And then this, the actual destruction and destroying of the nation from Portland and others, where they just let the mob rule. That's why the inner cities are waking up. But what's waking up within the inner cities is a new way, somebody who wants to restore the American dream. Renew our way of life right. and rebuild an economy we haven't seen. That's the fundamental difference. So, yes, it's what's happening right now is people are finally paying attention. So the House is coming back to work. You're still in Washington, right? I'm, oh. I'm in California on my way back. Pelosi is calling us back not to work on schools or unemployment or liability protection, but to have some falsity about some misinformation when it comes to the post office. I mean – What's, what's, most, uh, what's most interesting here is this is what Pelosi always does, politicizes the pandemic, politicizes the Postal Service. But if you read Ru- Ruth Goldway, she's a Democrat and a former commissioner of the U.S. Postal Regulatory Commission appointed by Bill Clinton. 
She literally says that the Postal Service has all the money it needs to put it out well and beyond, that it can do the job to not play into the rhetoric and the politics of what's going on. But Pelosi wants to call us back on a Saturday, and I want you to count of the number of Democrats who will not show, who will try to vote by proxy and still get paid. Incredible. And they'll blame the pandemic. Uh, where everyone else is uh, traveling. We know about the dangers. We know who's susceptible at this point. So Mark Meadows weighed in on Fox and Friends today, and he talked about the legislation and possibly doing some type of skinny bill, if you want to. Cut 32. They should be suing the Obama administration. Listen, this postmaster general did the right thing, said we're going to put these uh, these decisions, these operational decisions on hold. But they're not President Trump's operational decisions. They came from 2011 under the Obama administration. And now all of a sudden there's outrage in this you know, this uh, unbelievable uprising with Democrats there on Capitol Hill where they're saying, oh, my gosh, this is a big problem. Nancy Pelosi did nothing. She knows that she did nothing. So uh, he went on to say this. Tell me if this is possible. Um, Cut 33. He wants to make the post office great again. I want all the postal workers to hear that. He wants to help you, and he wants to make sure you have the proper funding. And and you'll get a chance to do that because the Democrats, when they come in and want funding for the post office, Mm -hmm. not only will we ask for that, we will say that we need to help small businesses. We need to put money back in people's uh, pocket with uh, uh, perhaps a skinny deal that we can make sure that checks go out. Uh, Let's go ahead and do that. I call on Nancy Pelosi to not only finally fix the post office, but let's find the things that are hurting Americans across the country because of this pandemic. Let's pass a skinny bill. We'll be here on Saturday. Hopefully they will with a negotiating heart. So what do you what what does that mean for you guys? Well, what it means is here's a country that is hurting because of COVID, a president that wants to do something about it. But every time we've done a bill, remember what Nancy Pelosi has done. In that very first bill where we tried to get liability protection so 3M could provide America with more masks, she said no because she held with the trial lawyers. Or the CARES Act when she held it up for more than a week, so more funding for the Kennedy Center. Or remember the refrigerator where we were trying to get more money because it was so popular with the PPP to help the small business employees? She said no to that and held that up more. That's exactly what she's doing now. Again, she wants to hold this economy hostage just because her dislike of this president. We can move through to help the schools to make sure they're safe for the children and the teachers. We can move through liability protection to make sure the schools aren't going to get sued and the small businesses can open again. We've watched states that need more help for the small businesses on the PPP. We can do all this, but the only thing that is holding us up is Pelosi. For that unemployment insurance, it was the president that said they could go forward. Pelosi is the one who stopped it, and this is what she's done every single time. So what do you think will be offered, just it. the post office, or do you going to look to – I know you're going to look to expand it, right? Look, this, this is the problem. The speaker has all the power in the House. So for everyone listening on your show, they need to go to takethehouse.com. They found you are talking about the candidates that go across this nation, from Wesley Hunt to Nancy Mace to others. We've got a new wave coming in. Let's retire Nancy so we can have a floor that actually has a debate, so we have members that actually have to show up to work for them to get paid. Democrats have a member in Arizona that was sitting on a boat in Utah voting in a committee and still getting paid. 
So, in other words, are you going to entertain maybe looking at another rescue package in this time, or is it just going to be about the post office? Well, the problem is they control what can come to the floor. We would love to be able to work with this president to do something to make sure for the unemployment, the, the, the liability protection in the schools. We will try to offer that, but they control what comes. Nancy Pelosi has continued to say she wants to argue about a problem that the post office doesn't have. It has more than enough money to carry out the year. She's got – even during the Obama administration, this is exactly what, Obama, what um, Michelle Obama talked about where she complained something about the president, Trump, when it's actually her administration that did it, removing more than 14,000 mailboxes during their time frame. Um, they just make this stuff up, and this is the problem. They are they are missing the biggest threats before us, like China, because they are so infatuated about these falsities. They are missing the damage created by China. They've got a China problem. They will not admit to what China has done, this virus, killing thousands of Americans and others. They will not stand up to China. I read a story the other day where the FBI has warned us that China wants to get involved in this campaign because they do not want President Trump to win. And I put a bill on the floor to sanction any. Anybody, Chinese, Russians, or others who want to hack our companies and we catch them to go after our vaccine instead of working with us trying to steal it. And do you know the Democrats voted that down? No, didn't know that. Um, in they've term- got a China problem, Brian. And they've got a they've got a speaker who will not stand up to China, who will not let bills come to the floor that hold China accountable, that have passed the Senate. I don't know what the Communist Party has on the Democrats, but it must be powerful. Um, All right, Congressman, I guess your goal is to take back the House. Uh, How feasible is that? It's very feasible. You know, when I took over, we needed 19 seats to win the majority. We only need 17 today. We won Mike Garcia, another amazing candidate in L.A., had a special election on a seat that the Democrats won by nine points. We had not flipped a Democrat seat to Republican in 22 years, and we did it in the middle of COVID. And they did it when they changed the election, that it was an all-mail-in ballot. So there are 42 other seats that Democrats hold that are better for us to win than the seat Mike Garcia just won. Our only problem is we need more help. So if people go to TakeTheHouse.com mm-hmm. and we level the playing field, not only will we win, we'll retire Nancy Pelosi once and for all. All right, Congressman Ken McCarthy, uh, thanks so much. I know you're going to be on Laura Ingram tonight, so uh, I know you're going to have a busy day. All right, Brian, it's always great to be with you. Same here. Uh, Congressman uh, is trying to deal with uh, California. Not easy. Chris Dyerwald going to be with us at the bottom of the hour, but good news is you're next. I also have a lot of other stories I want to get to. Uh, so you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. We can't just look at the deaths. That's irresponsible. Because COVID-19, the virus that causes that, it's tricky. You have a lot of people who have long-term effects from the illness, whether it's heart, lung, kidneys. You know, there was a telephone survey a month ago that showed 35% of young people under 35, after the infection, two to three weeks, they were still having some symptoms. So it's not just about life or death, Ainsley. It's a much bigger picture than that. It is, but there's a lot of misperceptions about the virus. And, for example, everyone says, oh, you get the virus, you're you're in trouble. It's it. Americans believe that 55-plus account for just over half the COVID-19 deaths. It's actually 92%. 
Americans believe, for the most part, that people age 44 and younger account for 30% of the death. The actual figure is 2.7%. So I'm not saying you don't know somebody that's young that really suffered the effects of it or sadly lost their lives. I'm saying you that it's rare. Uh, so let's go to the phone. Sharon, listening on KSEV in Houston, Texas. Sharon, how are things in Houston with the virus? Hi, Brian. Thanks for asking. We're doing great. And all the scare tactics, all the reports you hear about the hospitals being overwhelmed, not true. And all the uh, case numbers, they're all being manipulated and jiggled. And people just don't even trust the case numbers anymore down here in Houston. But I called because I heard Louis Gohmert, our representative here from Texas, um, Congressman, and he was on the on Voice of Texas this morning to give a report, and he said, you know, he's been quarantined because he got the, he calls it the China Wuhan virus, and he said, but he's doing very well, and he much better than he expected because he's gotten onto the hydroxychloroquine and ZPAC, and he said he's just doing great. And I know from hearing reports from real doctors across the nation, not the bureaucrats in white lab coats, but the real doctors, and they're all saying that hydroxychloroquine and this disease. I know, it's crazy, ah. isn't it? I'm getting yeah. a lot of positive reports, too. Uh, but Anthony Fauci doesn't like it anymore, so that, that makes it no good. Uh, you have a right to take it. I don't know if I don't know where your rights sit, sit uh, on taking that as opposed to another uh, therapeutic, but we'll see. Uh, Chris Tyrewalt and more of your call, so stay put from Arizona to Minnesota to uh, to Oklahoma. We'll be with you. Brian Kilmeade Show. Republicans have got to shine a powerful light on how bad these Democratic policies are. They need to shine a light on how weak Joe Biden is, how bad the policies are, and how radical left the Democrat Party has shifted. And keep it simple to those three themes. If they do that, Donald Trump will have a very successful convention. The Democrats want to only talk about empathy and President Trump's character. Republicans need to talk about Biden's weakness, how radical left they are, and that's the winning ticket for Republicans. Uh, but they'll push back and say, well, Biden's a moderate, but everyone else around him isn't. Chris Darwalt uh, is a political editor for Fox News. Uh, he does his Fox News halftime report, which is gettable for all of you. Chris, what do you think about Ari's analysis? Um, I think what uh, – yes, but I think that's not the work of the convention. I think that's part of the work of the convention. But Trump has to find a way to reach out to persuadable voters – to do more than just try to scare them about Joe Biden. He's got to make an affirmative case about why his leadership has been good and why he deserves a second term. And that is an argument that Trump has, has struggled with. Um, he's good on the attack, right? And I think in the debate, you'll hear a lot of it. I think what, you know, in watching the Democrats who in their two, the first two days of their infomercial, um, you wouldn't even know this was the Democratic Party, right? Uh, centrist, moderate, yeah. uh, uh, outreach to suburbanites. Uh, the 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 except the for Bernie Sanders' sh- speech, where you all know what he stands for. Well, but he was in the woodshed by himself for a short period of time. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez got two minutes shoved in there. Um, but the last night where you go, Cindy McCain to Colin Powell 
to um, Joe Biden in a classroom was like all tailored content for the suburbs. This was all tailored content to moderate voters, which is Joe Biden is not scary. Don't worry. He may not be, as Michelle Obama said, he's not perfect, but don't worry about this guy. And I think Trump has to do something to say to these voters, I'm a good guy, too. You can trust me, too. There's got to be there's got to be a heavy dose of that, because if the Republican convention is primarily what. So the Democratic convention has primarily been an attack on Donald Trump. If the Republican convention answers that with a sustained attack on Joe Biden, they will miss a much needed opportunity to make an affirmative case for Trump that is just when you're an incumbent, it's just different. And you've got to make the case for yourself in a way that a challenger doesn't have to. And this, uh, the ratings expectedly are down. Do you expect it to be down this much? I think it was what, 26% the first night among the networks, over 40%, not counting streaming. Did you expect them to be that bad? Yeah, I mean, the, the conventions themselves have been down in ratings over time, right? The, the long march out for the conventions that we knew between, let's say, 1952 and 2000, uh, the long march out for them uh, is – this year is accelerating that. And, but the other thing is, of course, people don't con- a, l- a lot of people have learned during the coronavirus uh, about using different streaming platforms and using different things and watching these clips and doing all this stuff. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised at the decline, and I would argue that it probably has as much or more to do with the long trend in terms of the way people consume news and, tele- and, and content, video content, as it does with it being a virtual convention. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting is let's compare foreign policies. I mean, it seems like John Kerry wanted to do that. Let's listen. Cut eight. For the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, we led by example. We eliminated the threat of an Iran with a nuclear weapon. We built a 68-nation coalition to destroy ISIS. We forged a 195-nation agreement to attack climate change. We stopped Ebola before it became a pandemic. Donald Trump inherited a growing economy and a more peaceful world. And like everything else he inherited, he bankrupted it. Right. Uh, eight years of people want to go back and visit the JV team. They want to go back and visit the Iran deal that Schumer and Cardin and most of the Senate didn't vote for. Uh, and a 68-nation coalition to destroy the JV team, which they said was not going to be a threat, when really only three nations, excuse me, one nation was fighting. And the climate change argument is something most Republicans would embrace. And Ebola compared to this pandemic, I don't think anyone's buying. Do you? No. And look, Trump has a huge asset in foreign policy because while he gets poor marks from voters on his handling of foreign policy, the specific policies, when you pull them out, are quite popular. And they were popular for Obama, too. Uh, No more nation building abroad. Uh, let's do some nation building here at home. Let's get the troops out from overseas. Let's disengage. And Trump's message of disengagement is very popular with voters. Uh, that is something that Obama ran on. That is something that Trump ran on. And if he, the, the, the challenge for Trump becomes is that Republicans don't agree with him on his foreign policy. But taking over the path of the electorate, what Donald Trump is doing in taking troops out of Europe what he is doing in getting out of Afghanistan, what he is doing in getting out of the Middle East in general, 
is very popular with with voters across the board. So I think that's something they need to hit hard, which is to say that Biden is an interventionist and he will lead us into more quagmires. Donald Trump mm. is not an isolationist, yeah. but he is. But he is a, a, a to go back to the America first message that worked for them four years ago. I think it's a, I think that's a huge risk even saying he's an interventionist because number one people are really I don't see that. But I will say this. I will say that when you take Iran or Israel, I think most people choose Israel. It seems like John Kerry chose Iran. And then when you see the uh, when you see the UAE come aboard and recognize Israel, when you see the fact that our uh, our we have reinforced relations with Israel, which you cannot say they were strong during the Obama years. And I think Sudan and Bahrain could also be signing deals with Israel. You could look at the Middle East and say, I'm fine with Iran being isolated. And then when you look at Eastern Europe, you could say pulling out or you could say we created a base in Poland, expanding it. And overall, there are more troops in Eastern Europe and there's four hundred billion dollars additionally in NATO. And then when you look at uh, China, uh, a hard policy on China is not exactly unpopular here in America, especially in wake no, of this virus. Popular. So I think yeah. that is a intervention is something that that might be one of those. No, no, I said pushes. Biden is an inter- uh, Biden is an intervention. No, I, I don't. I, I think that's a hard sell. Because, you know, he just because I think he's made bad decisions, but I don't necessarily think that he wants to put us all over the Middle East. And I think that that would be a tougher sell where you could just yeah, no, say I who's better. I, I, I think for Trump, look, the, there's the Republican foreign policy where you have Republicans hold Trump's feet to the fire on Republican foreign policy priorities. And sort of Mike Pompeo is very much that. And when we look at what he's doing with Iran and we look at that stuff, it's very much forward. But when Trump talks about foreign policy, it is much better with voters because yeah. the, the, when he talks about foreign policy, he's talking about getting American troops home, not spending money overseas, no, you know, cutting the foreign aid, cut, 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 get out. That's the popular sentiment. And you're right. On China, uh, Joe Biden, once more hawkish on China, slid with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party into a neutral to positive stance on China. Trump's uh, uh, opposition to free trade is also very popular. These are the issues that help him. Uh, they don't help him with the, with the traditional Republicans, but they definitely help him with big numbers of voters, especially in the upper Midwest. So getting bringing U.S. troops home, uh, being less involved. And I know you're right that that doesn't ne- that's not necessarily backed up by the actions of the administration. But the rhetoric worked. In 2016, it can work again in 2020 because his stated foreign policy goals are very popular with the blue collar voters he's looking for. So tonight will be a big night for this convention with President Obama and the and Kamala Harris speaking. Uh, Do you expect him to bring up the one thing I thought was so absent? And that is addressing the cities that are on fire, the law, the lawlessness and disorder that's taking place. Do you expect him to to even address that or just talk about racial justice like they had the last two days? If you if if you were them, would you if you were the Democrat, if I had a, you yes. had your infomercial, would you say, here's this issue that's bad for us. Let's talk about it. Uh, no, they're not going to talk about it. These are, and, and next week, uh, the, the Republicans aren't going to talk about a bunch of stuff that's bad for them. These are infomercials. Uh, this is not a time for uh, the if if you were a man from Mars and you watched the first two nights of the Democratic convention, you would say, "What is this?" I guess very centrist, very moderate, uh, suburban friendly. Republicans like them. This is this is a very it, you would get a totally totally 
uh, foreign view, a totally contradictory view of what the real Democratic Party is. That's what the point of these things are. What I'm watching for tonight, they got to make good for the progressives because they have really stepped on them, right? They gave, they took Bernie to the woodshed. He got his couple of minutes. Uh, and Ocasio-Cortez got her couple of minutes. But tonight you got Pelosi, uh, who is a mainstream, but you've got Warren, who is sort of the Democratic establishment's favorite radical. Uh, so Elizabeth Warren has got to do this work. And then can Kamala Harris speak to that wing of the party and say, I will be your advocate for the far left stuff? I, I can do it, but do it in a way that doesn't break the message that Democrats have so successfully placed in the first two days that you don't have anything to fear from them. What I really want to know, though, is what does Barack Obama think his party is now? Uh, what kind of speech is he going to give? Is he going to is he going to lavish more praise on Biden and be more affectionate towards Biden than he was towards Hillary, who he didn't really embrace? It was a it was a, an ungainly moment four years ago. So there's that part with Biden, and there have been stresses between the Obama people and the Biden people for a long time. So there's that part, but the other part is Barack Obama, who's spoken out against the radicalism growing in his party, and he has tried to be a cooling factor. On this and encourage them to see compromise. What does he see his party? What's his message going to be? That's what I'm really curious about. True. Uh, it's going to be interesting because maybe he could just dial up his eulogy speech. Uh, that seemed to be a political speech uh, better suited for the convention. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it's still in the prompter loaded somewhere. John Lewis would have loved that speech. Really? I think he. I, please, oh, if, if something happens to me, please don't bring up filibuster in my eulogy, okay? Well, I've got to throw out my draft now. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I've worked all this time on this, and now it's right down the toilet. Fine. Right. All right. I'll, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it. I'll just bring in some talk about right. uh, committee chairmanships. Right. That's, we'll Let's just talk about, we'll stub it out with some other. You can focus on the language. traffic to get to the to get to the funeral home. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I don't mind Brian, but it took forever to get here. Um, you, exactly. This, the, the, this traffic is killing me. My gosh. Oh, yeah. Brian's dead. OK, moving on. Right. You might want to go work on that draft. Chris Darwell, <laughs> thanks so much. Well, watch tonight. Have a great All right. Exactly. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. We'll come back. I'll empty the lines and maybe find out if there's more to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Today, I'll be signing an executive order, and that will require hotels and short-term rentals to have travelers from the restricted states fill out these forms before giving them access to their rooms. So I want to be very clear about this. Under this executive order that I'm about to sign, any hotel, any short-term rental must get that form from the traveler complete with the contact information. And if they don't have that form from the traveler, they should not give them access to their room. Period. Hey, come to New York. It's fun, right? You don't want to take a test and see that they're negative, right? And then let them go out and shop and maybe go to an outdoor restaurant because you don't let them in or work out in a club in, on September 2nd or go to the Gap and pick up jeans or go to a souvenir shop. Let's make it horrible to come here. This way you'll have no revenue at all. What a terrible tone. Uh, Steve, listening on KRMG in Oklahoma. Hey, Steve. Yes, Brian, thank you for taking my call. I'll keep this brief. Uh, when Biden talks about the uh, health care for the 11 million, uh, I had to quantify that in a way that it, it, it seemed relevant to me. And roughly speaking, that's the population of Oklahoma, 
Kansas, Nebraska, and New Mexico combined. So that put it in context for me, and I hope it will for others. Thanks, Steve. Linda, Arizona. Hey, Linda. Hi, Brian. Love your show. I wanted to tell you a side note. A thousand people showed up in Yuma in 115-degree weather for for Trump yesterday. Not too shabby. But I'm 77. I watched uh, the, the, the first two days, and I've watched for many years. And the thing that stuck out... Uh, to me was the amount of law, a- absolute out-and-out lies told all the way through that were easily disproven, like, you know, Michelle, uh, oh, uh, Trump putting children in cages, of course. Uh, but um, the, when they got to one lie that I just had to call in about, and that was the Jill and Joe love story. They went on and on, oh, the love story yeah. between them and blah, blah, blah. The truth of the matter is they had an extramarital affair. Jill was married to another man, and his story is very interesting. But they, Jill and her husband, had gone, had joined the uh, Biden campaign, and so they were at his house, and I believe it was the first the first one he ever ran for. And, of course, he was married. He had a wife, little girl, and two children. And so they knew them from that because they were working on his campaign. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the personal relationship, but I, I, I have been reading that, that they had different ways of getting that relationship started. Uh, but the personal story and the tragedy is the most – that's the way to humanize him. I'm not saying it's not sincere. Uh, he's had two aneurysms. He has had uh, – uh, his son died very young. I met Bose. He was a great guy. I met him two or three times. And that, that's his personal story, where his weakness is his decisions. His decisions, his assets supposed to be foreign policy. He was wrong in every single one. You see over and over again, you see in the Mattis book, you see in the Gates book, he gets everything wrong. He doesn't listen. And he has almost everything he's touched come out wrong. He was part of the Homer Crystal debacle. They were talking about how Joe Biden, Joe bite me, remember? So his greatest asset is foreign policy, and he's terrible. Uh, and he'd hire John Kerry, which would be awful. So let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Guess what? Isolation inactivity has some problems to it. During COVID-19, they told us to stay home, right? They told us the gyms were closed, right? Well, 2,000 people in a study polled revealed that 48% say their back bothers them most of the time during the quarantine. A third of the respondents point to their neck as their biggest achy point. The study is commissioned and says uh, commissioned by Dr. Scholes and says 3 in 10 have had pain in their arches since. I know I need uh, an insole. Next. Half of New York City shooting surge is linked to Brooklyn. So we're starting to see even shootings on other boroughs. When you see, when you dig in a little bit deeper, the problem is Brooklyn. As of Sunday, 475 people have been shot in Brooklyn this year. I think if I were the Nets, I'd be glad I'm in the bubble. Next, New York City will be overrun by rats if the mayor doesn't curb the trash. These rats have run over the city, according to the Comptroller. They're walking around waiting for a table at outdoor seatings. City Hall cleaved more than $21 million for litter basket pickup from the sanitation department's budget. Maybe if they took to $2 million that they pay annually for the mayor's wife's staff, they would be able to kill off the rats. And Governor Cuomo, under fire after announcing plans to release a book in October called American Crisis, He's regularly blamed other people for the thousands of deaths in New York. Now he'll put his pen to paper. Uh, what a joke. How tone deaf. And Alabama, college football, announced they will be allowing approximately 20% capacity at home games. Yes, the SEC will play football at Arrowhead Stadium, by the way. Uh, they'll be at 22%. 
Jerry Jones wants to put uh, a little bit more. And Atlanta, the Falcons, will put between ten and 20000 Cannot wait for sports that actually has fans at stadiums. Brian Kilmeade Show. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.